Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is known by her YouTube name, Traveling with Kristen, and is an expert on living the digital nomad lifestyle. She is the author of Digital Nomads for Dummies and is the host of the top-rated podcast, Badass Digital Nomads, with over 250,000 downloads in 170 countries. She has been featured on The Today Show, Business Insider, HGTV's House Hunters International, Bloomberg Business Week, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, The Huffington Post, and more. Please welcome to the show, Kristen Wilson. Kristen, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be back on the show. We were just talking about how it's been two years now since our last chat. So happy to be back with everyone from the Expat Money Show. Absolutely. You know, we've done over 200 some odd episodes of this podcast, and I think I've only had two people possibly three people who have made a return appearance on the podcast and you are one of them. So this is amazing. I'm super excited for today's I feel honored. You should be. It's a, it's a huge privilege. You and I got along so well on our first conversation and then I had a chance to come on your excellent podcast. And now you've just had me again on your excellent podcast. And now I get the privilege to have you back here. So there's a lot of back and forth and I think it's a lot of fun. So I want to kind of have a very relaxed episode today and just hear about what you've been up to, fireside chat kind of conversation about your experiences over the last two years since your last appearance. How does that sound? Sure. Yeah. There's like this life before and life after the pandemic. So it's always good to catch up with your friends and see what they've been doing and how things have changed. I feel like everybody has a story and a transformation that's happened during this time. Well, absolutely. Especially everybody in the world has gone through a transformation. Everybody's life is completely different. But as expats and digital nomads, I mean, it's really changed the landscape of what we're able to do and where we're able to go and everything. So I guess I'm kind of curious. It doesn't have to be in chronological order, but where are you? Where have you been? What has your travel looked like over the last two years? My travel came to a screeching halt and It was the break from travel that I didn't really know that I needed. I've been traveling or living abroad my entire adult life since I was 20 years old. And so it was the first time that I wasn't planning my year or my life based on months and destinations and countries. I was just 
existing in one place. And that place is Miami, Florida. And that's where I am today in a little town called Coconut Grove. I spent the first few months of lockdown in North Miami, where I was subletting from a friend, had a nice little apartment right on the canal. So very idyllic days in lockdown. So I feel really grateful for that, where I would basically just go paddle boarding behind my house or eat lunch outside on the patio, jump in my neighbor's boats, socially distanced, of course. And that was just kind of a a really slow period as far as travel, but it was also a very productive and a period with a lot on my to-do list as far as online business and just making sense of what was going on in the world and trying to help people. So publishing videos, doing live streams, writing articles on Medium, just trying to process everything and contribute what I could to the conversation. And then since then, when it became clear that the pandemic wasn't going to be over in two weeks or two months, I decided to rent a place long-term for a year in Miami because it was actually one of the most open places, free and liberated places on the planet. And I can't really think of anywhere else where it would have been better to spend the pandemic because we had just so much freedom to do whatever we wanted. And like restaurants were open, bars and clubs were open. I mean, at first I was scared to go in, but I remember the first time going into a crowded club and it was like right when the vaccine came out and I just didn't feel comfortable yet. But yeah, life kind of went on as normal here. And so when I looked at the global landscape, I decided that it made more sense for me to be here and wait out the pandemic than to be out there traveling. Like I felt like it was better for everyone. It was better for me. It was better for my clients. It was better for my audience, my YouTube subscribers, for me to be in one place and just trying to help everyone else going through that transition rather than just being out there traveling and having fun. Like it almost didn't feel right to be traveling for health reasons and I don't know, for a lot of different reasons. So I've been in Miami this whole time and it's given me the opportunity to get some real work done and writing my first book, Digital Nomads for Dummies, creating some courses and products for people and working with my clients one-on-one and just getting healthy, like getting in a routine, having access to all the great workout facilities in Miami and fresh food and everything and living on the water, going on lots of walks, doing all of the things that I didn't really do when I was traveling because those hours were invested in going from point A to point B or planning trips or going to networking events, conferences, speaking engagements. So I think a lot of us realized how much was on our plates before the pandemic and the things that we were able to cut out, whether that was commuting or traveling or things just gave us some a chance to have more perspective and then moving forward to be like more intentional and thoughtful about what we let into our lives and how thin we spread ourselves across different projects and responsibilities. Well, I completely understand because being a digital nomad and traveling nonstop is so tiring. People just think that it's like going on vacation. You're not going to sit on a beach in a resort for a week and having little Mai Tais delivered to your beach cabana thing. Like, I mean, if you're traveling and you're going, 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 
it takes so much out of you. And if you have clients who are in different time zones and you have to be staying up late at night or taking early morning calls, I mean, it just drains you on these things. So having a place where you can call a base for a little while is really good. And that's why I like being an expat. That's why I don't normally describe myself as a digital nomad, although probably a lot of other people would think of me as a digital nomad. I'm an expat. I have a base. I am on, you know, I have my apartment and all my stuff and I'm stable in one place. And then I use that as a way to travel out from there. But when you're going, 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 having a reflective time and a period in your life when you can slow down and get back to basics and get healthy and go to the gym and do all the amazing things that you mentioned, I think is super important. Yeah. And, and I don't have kids. So I think the pandemic for me was a bit of a different experience than it was for many families, especially people that were working remotely for the first time and having childcare and all the other stresses that came along with it. So even though I went through some challenges during that time as well, I definitely can feel for people that had it much harder. Like I couldn't imagine being on lockdown in a place like New York City where people rented super small apartments because they were never there. They were always in the office or they were always out and about in parks or at bars, restaurants, like doing things. And then to be stuck in these small spaces with such strict lockdowns, I really didn't want to get stuck in that situation. So in Florida, especially in Miami, we had people coming from all over the world here because the weather was good. There weren't any restrictions for or mandates or masks. There weren't any risks of lockdowns. And so people were coming from everywhere, from Asia, from New York, from California, from Paris and, and London, just to have this little respite from all of the craziness out there. So I definitely feel like I was in a little bit of a bubble, but we all suffered a little bit. So now that things are opening back up and, and the world is somewhat going back to normal, at least with the, the immigration and the ease of getting in and out of countries, are you going to pick up traveling again? I know you just did a trip to Turkey. Do you have other trips planned? I'm kind of curious what's next for you. That's a great question. I've been mulling it over for quite some time. And I always knew that I was going to be here until the book was published because there's so much work that goes into writing a book. And I wanted to focus on that completely without traveling around. But now that that's done and the book is out there, I actually have my first copy right here. So I don't know if whoever's watching amazing. this video. It's not actually me on the cover, but it looks a lot like me. It's a stock photo. <laughs> they should have put you on the cover though. I know. I don't know why they, they didn't. It makes sense because the girl looks just like me. But anyway, I don't know, maybe for the next one. But yeah, so I've been kind of thinking over what would be the next move. I definitely have a new connection with people who have been living a traditional lifestyle for a really long time, for decades in many cases, because after a couple of years and buying furniture and getting settled in one place, like this inertia sets in. And I feel like I've been a victim of that as much as anyone else, that you kind of get into your comfort zone, you get into your daily routine. And I've gone on a few trips to Canada and California and Istanbul, but I haven't been nomadic. 
And so right now I'm weighing the decision of keeping a home base versus going nomadic completely again. And what I've liked to do in the past is have home base for six months or three months, six months, a year, and then go to another place and and do that again. And right now I'm definitely feeling like I need to get out. (laughs) I need to get out of Miami. I'm getting really, I don't know, I think just bored here. And of course it's a big city. So there's plenty of other things to do and like places to go. But I think when you start to feel that internal call to start traveling or to change your environment, I think we need to listen to that as humans. And sometimes it doesn't make logical sense to sell everything and pack up and move on, but you never know what's going to happen if you don't go. And when you live in your home state or your home country or your hometown, you still don't know what's going to happen in your future, but you have a more predictability of how life will unfold and what you'll do from day to day, year in and year out. And I like to have more of that X factor of adventure and serendipity and things that can happen when you get out of your comfort zone and you go to other countries and you meet other people. And so even though I'm super comfortable here and people in Miami would think that I'm absolutely crazy for giving up my apartment, which is a really nice loft for a really good price at this time that it could probably rent for double or triple of what I've rented it for that still is not enough to keep me somewhere because I've had lots of cool houses and cool accommodations all over the world. And every time I moved on, when I felt like it was time to move on, it was always the right decision. And, you know, you find another house and another place to live. And so I do think I'll be leaving even as soon as like six weeks from now. Wow. Yeah. We'll see where I go. Well, now I know where the conversation's going. (laughs) Let's hear what's on the bucket list. I'm curious. So one of the things I like to bring to people's attention of like a cool way to live is to choose locations based on personal goals that you have, whether it's a career goal, self-development, health and fitness, a hobby, something like that. And so in the past, I've chosen places based on family members being there or friends being there or climates or an activity like going snowboarding or something like that. And one of the hobbies that I've developed during the pandemic is DJing and music production. And I've now become like a semi-professional DJ on the side. It's like my nights and weekends hobby. And so I'm really interested in going back to Europe, which is really a very significant place for electronic music, like house music came from Chicago, techno came from Detroit, but the European arena and like the festival scene and the culture in Europe has really taken electronic music and run with it in their own place. And so I think it would be really cool to go to Romania where my grandfather is from. He was a musician, he was a violinist, and immigrated to the US and I've never been there. So I would like to finish the process of getting my citizenship and passport there, go over there, kind of see where my family comes from or part of my family and also investigate some of the music opportunities and like the culture over there because I'm really influenced and inspired by the different DJs and producers in Romania and in Eastern Europe in general. So I've kind of been considering 
either going back to the Netherlands, which is really big for electronic music or Germany, Berlin, especially, or going back to Eastern Europe because I really like the scene and like Serbia and Bulgaria and places like that. So that is an option. There's also a lot of digital nomads that are going to South Africa and a few other countries around in Southern Africa between November and February, which is summer down there. So there's a lot of events going on. There's some safaris. There's some co-living groups going through there. So that could be an option as well. But I think those are the two standouts is maybe going back to Europe for a while. My cousin's having a baby. She lives in London. So maybe I could spend some time in London. I've never been to Scotland. I've never been to Ireland. And it's my favorite time to go to Europe because the fall and the winter is when all of the tourists leave. <laughs> so even though the weather is not as good, it's a good time to be there. And I could even go to the Mediterranean during the winter, which wouldn't be that bad, like Portugal or something like that. Go back to Spain. So it's kind of a, a tension between picking places I've never been before and also going back to some of my favorite countries that I haven't been to in years. I really love the South of France. I really like Spain. I like the Netherlands. Yeah. So I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Well, six weeks will come up very, very soon, but there's so many things there to unpack and, and so many things that we can discuss. As for one of your last points on going to Europe in the peak tourist season, I just got back from Rome in the middle of July and it was <laughs> awful like yeah rome is such a cool and interesting place but oh my god it was so hot there's almost no trees there there's no shade it's no air conditioning nothing like it's crazy and it's just packed with tourists like chocker block i couldn't believe it i was there for business meetings it wasn't for tourism but while i was there of course i i walked around and saw as much as i could but yeah definitely going back at a cooler part of the year with less people around i think is in order for sure i was there in july man 2017 wow it was a long time ago for my birthday my birthday is july 22nd and it was the same peak season so crowded so hot and so expensive. Like our villa, we went to Positano, which I had never been to. I didn't know that was a thing, but my friend really wanted to go. And it was absurdly expensive. It was like $700 a night. And then I was like, let's go to Rome where we can get a perfectly nice Airbnb for $50 a night or $75 a night. Like, what are we doing here? I think mine was like $400 a night or $350 a night. Yeah. I don't know anything about a $50. <sighs> Prices are probably way higher now. That's what I'm worried about too is, well, Miami has the highest cost of living in the country right now. So I figure I could go anywhere for what I'm spending to live here. But then again, maybe not because so many people are now remote and now the prices are going up everywhere else. Well, you mentioned Romania as well. You've not been there. I actually myself have not been there, but it's super high on my list. And I had so many Romanian friends when I lived in Abu Dhabi. It's like, I mean, maybe not a third of the population, but maybe a tenth of the population are Romanian. And I had so many friends there and smoked cigars with so many great guys there and went out for drinks and made really good friends. Like I would love to go back there or I would love to go to Romania and visit them. And from my understanding, it is very affordable, very affordable in Romania. So I would probably would take that over going back to Rome again, I think. Yeah. And it's also, I've been looking up 
ski resorts throughout Eastern Europe, which are probably very underrated from a Western perspective. Everyone thinks in the U.S. people think of going to Tahoe or Colorado or Canada, but going to, you know, even the Alps is way more affordable than going to Aspen or Snowmass or something, but going to Eastern Europe is even more affordable. And I spent one winter in Japan before the pandemic, a winter in Bulgaria. And I just, being from Florida, I'm fascinated with snow and I really love snowboarding because you get to be in the fresh air and you get to be in nature. You get a good workout. You have an excuse to drink hot chocolate (laughs) every day (laughs) and it's good for working because you get that balance between physical working out and then the mental aspect of just deep work in a quiet place that's surrounded by snow. And it's just so cozy and nice. And I think after living in the palm trees for a while, I'm kind of craving that experience. So I've been looking at ski resorts all over different countries in Eastern Europe, like Georgia and Romania and even Macedonia. So we'll see, but there's a lot of cool places over there. Well, that's one of the best things about being an expat or being a digital nomad being able to change and switch these types of things, understanding that you know, you're know you not locked in one spot, that you have to spend your entire life there. You're from Florida. I'm from Canada. I dealt with snow for <laughs> 17 years growing up in Canada. And yes, the only way that I would go back to any of it is if I was downhill skiing. And I think that that sounds amazing. But I'll leave the snow for the rest of it. Like I, I still don't understand people who live in Toronto and in in Ontario or anywhere really in Canada that gets a lot of snow. Unless you're skiing or snowboarding, like it's awful. Yeah, I was in Chicago once in February, and I thought never again. This is not fun. I was just there in the summer for a baby shower, and it was much nicer weather. Like Chicago in July is a totally different thing. But ironically, I was in Whistler right before the pandemic started. So I made it out of Canada about two weeks before the lockdown started. So I was already living in the mountains and the snow before the pandemic. So that's a gorgeous part of the country. That is really, really stunning. I lived in Banff and Lake Louise on the Alberta side of the Rocky Mountains, and it was amazing. But we went over to Whistler a couple of times and gorgeous part of the country. There's also all of these co-working spaces now that are popping up around ski resorts around the world. There's a lot of them in Colorado. There's some in Whistler. There's one called Swiss Escapes in Switzerland. That's like a co-living space. And so, yeah, there's a lot of accommodations now popping up for remote workers that want to go skiing or snowboarding and work at the same time. So that's also an option as well. But I I really encourage people, whether you want to learn how to surf or learn about art in Italy, it's kind of like making your own college, like academic journey, but as an adult. So, you know, in university or in high school, we have our general education classes and maybe you have some language classes, maybe you have like an art class or something like that. But as an adult with all the access to technology we have with the freedom of movement we have, depending on where you're from and which country your passport is, or if you get a second passport, at least you can definitely travel to a certain number of countries with just a passport. And you can kind of create your own life curriculum, like what's important to you, 
what do you want to learn about? What experiences do you want to have? Like, do you want to learn Spanish in Spain or do you want to learn Spanish in Bolivia? You know, do you want to live in Cuenca and Ecuador and learn Spanish there? Or do you want to take cooking classes in India? Like, what do you want to do? And it's really cool to be able to have this menu of life and create the life that you want for yourself, at least the life that you think that you want right now, and then see how in five years from now, how things have changed and how your interests have changed. Like I started my journey of traveling and like the motivation for travel was surfing in high school, going to California, going to Mexico, going to Hawaii. I don't really surf anymore, but I still love traveling, but I like doing different things when I travel. So I surfed a lot when I lived in Costa Rica, but then, you know, your tastes evolve, your interests evolve. You might meet people that you end up going places with, um, you might get married and have a baby in Brazil. <laughs> like you don't know. <laughs> you like don't someone, know you know, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, what you really just described is world schooling. I mean, that's what we're doing with our kids, but it, you're doing it with yourself. That's amazing. That's so awesome. And I love the way that you think about these types of things because there are meccas and centralized places where if you want to be a DJ and you want to be surrounded by other people who understand this and you can learn from and perform with, and I mean, there are hotspots for that. And there's hotspots for snowboarding and skiing, like we just talked about. There's hotspots for your surfing. I mean, there's geographical and then there's cultural and there's religion and there's historical reasons that these places come up. But if you can be purposeful about them when you're choosing a location and choosing your travel, it just adds to the experience. It just adds to it. Like, that's so awesome. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And like, if you want to dance barefoot on the beach, go to Tulum. Like it, it doesn't have to be for education. It can just be for fun, but that can be a way to create an itinerary that makes sense for you. And sometimes it's based around your cost of living. Like there are certainly places that I moved specifically because I heard it was really affordable to go there. And it also was was a great place to live. Like I'll always remember the first month that I ever went to Bali was 2009 or 2008. Yeah. The fall of 2008. And I was between jobs because I had just moved back from Nicaragua to Costa Rica. And I had decided to transition out of working in like corporate real estate for franchises and do my own thing. And so I was very confused and not really in a good place. Like, even though I had some savings and I knew I had some clients and I could get by living and I was living in Costa Rica, like it wasn't that bad, you know, but I was still, you know, you get, you get to those points where you have like the quarter life crisis, the midlife crisis, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and I booked this yoga retreat to Bali and I thought I'm going to go find myself in Bali. And at the time I was afraid to go there because I didn't know anyone who had been there. And I wasn't sure if it was dangerous. Like I just met this girl in Costa Rica. She told me she was having a yoga retreat and it was in Bali. And I'm like, where's that? And so I booked it and no kidding. A few days before my plane was about to leave, it got canceled. So here I had this plane ticket to Bali, no yoga retreat, nobody that I knew there. And I was like, what am I going to do? And so I somehow like asked a friend on Facebook if she wanted to come with me. And my friend, Melissa was teaching surf lessons in Puerto Rico at the time. She didn't really have anything going on because it was low season. 
in Puerto Rico. And so she came with me and we just met, like she flew from Puerto Rico. I flew from Costa Rica. It was on TWA airlines, which doesn't even exist anymore. We get to Bali. We had no plan. We had no money. And I lived in that country, in that Island for a month with maybe, I think I spent around $1,200 for the whole month. And that was the first time that I really understood geo arbitrage. I was like, I can have this amazing experience where I'm surfing every day. I'm riding around on mopeds and scooters. I'm eating whatever I want, like all this fresh, amazing food, having like three course dinners for $15 and stuff like that getting a a plate of nasi goreng, like rice and stuff for $2. And I was having the most fun I had ever had in my life. And I took a sabbatical, like I wasn't working while I was there or anything, but I just realized I can go to this place or, you know, it doesn't have to be Bali, but anywhere live for a thousand bucks a month, have an amazing time. And that's when I realized that happiness doesn't come directly correlated from having a lot of money and you can still travel and you can have adventures and you can live in other places and have like a really fulfilling life-changing experience for a small amount of money. And so that just kind of changed my outlook moving forward. And now a lot of people have gone from their home countries to places with a lower cost of living, maybe Southeast Asia, Bali is still super popular place to go. Maybe it's more expensive now. Last time I went, it was more developed, but I think that that's one of the big motivations for people too, based on want, like wanting to lower their cost of living, but also in other cases, it's a matter of literally life and death. Like it's a matter of being able to afford healthcare in your country if you get sick or not. And so that's become an important consideration too. So have you focused a lot of your career or your travel experiences on making sure that you're lowering your cost of living? Because my way of doing it has always been the exact opposite. I'm always focused on raising the top end, how much money I can spend on things. And whatever things cost is whatever things cost. It doesn't really affect me or bother me or anything like that. I'm always trying to grow the business and make more money and have my investments do better and everything like that. Grow the top line opposed to the bottom line. I've done both. I have lived, you know, in Costa Rica, I've lived in Australia, I've lived in in throughout Europe and my cost of living has varied widely. Like how much I spent when I lived in Tokyo or when I was in Sydney versus when I was in Bali or when I was in Thailand and it just depends on what your goals are at the moment. Like there have been times where, especially working in real estate. And when I first started my business that I was like really focused on just increasing my income, but the more I traveled, the more I created time for other things as well. And now I think I have more of a balance. Like obviously in Miami, I'm not saving (laughs) money. Like it's one of the most expensive places I've ever lived, but you can also just set different goals. Like sometimes people move to a place just to lower their cost of living or because they have a fixed income. Like let's say they're living on social security and that's like all that they can make unless they get another job or if they work remotely or if they start an online business or something like that. So in that case, lowering your cost of living is super important for having like your own property versus having to rent a room and a house or something. Yeah. And then in other cases, 
going to a place with a low cost of living, like if you maintain your income level, you can just save all of that money and you can invest it. So I started investing and when I was in college and I've invested in real estate in the US, in Nicaragua. And so kind of being in the right place at the right time and like finding opportunities to invest while there is also really important because living in Nicaragua with a place with a really low cost of living gave me extra disposable income to be able to buy land there. I think I have four properties there. I had five, but we sold one. So, and some of them I own by myself and some of my, like one I own with my mom, one I had with my grandparents. So that's a bonus too. But then I've also known people that they felt like there was somehow a correlation between where they lived and how much they earned because partially you're a product of your environment. So let's say you move to Dubai, which you have lived in, I haven't lived in, but just using that as an example, if you're surrounded by like glitz and glamour and wealth, then you're just subconsciously going to raise your expectations of yourself and your standard of living. But if you're living in like a straw hut on an island somewhere in Indonesia, then maybe you're going to feel less motivated to make a million dollars a year. So that's something to keep in mind too. And depending on like what phase of your business you're in, are you in a phase where creation is really important, where scaling is important, where building a foundation is important. If you're bootstrapping a business and you're not in the point of scaling yet, then maybe it makes sense to spend a year in a place with a low cost of living so you can invest all of your income into the business. But if you're a little bit further down the line, then your goals can be around just living an extremely high quality of life where you can just have everything that you want and have a private driver, have a full-time maid and a chef. And that is going to cost you a lot less if you live in Panama versus if you live in Toronto or Vancouver. For sure. All right. We're just going to take a quick break. So my friend Marco Wutzer from episode 137 has a foundational course on crypto and blockchain technology. And I really want you guys to take a look at this. I've been through the course myself and I actually learned a lot. Now, I've been in this space for about five years now and I've made a lot of money and I've lost a lot of money and, and I've made a lot of money again in it. But more than that, it's really about the technology. It's how this is shaping the landscape. And you know what? These things are not going away. Actually, it's becoming more and more prevalent in our life. There's new projects that are coming out, which are really going to change everything. And I don't want you guys to be left behind. So if you want to get up to speed with what is happening, and even if you have bought and sold Bitcoin a couple of times, but maybe don't understand every single thing, if you don't consider yourself an absolute true blue expert when it comes to crypto, then I think this course is very valuable for you. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash leap. That's L-E-A-P to check this program out. And I think you're going to really like it. So go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash leap. Okay, let's jump back into the interview. I think that there is something to rising to the occasion, whether that be the subconscious of what you're surrounding yourself with, or it is the emotional and spiritual and physical pressure of being like, 
I have expenses and I need to make a certain amount of money to be able to provide for this. I know when I had my first child, it was a huge driver for me to really step up my business and be very purposeful with all of these types of things. Okay, I was responsible up for myself up to that moment. And then I had my wife and then I had a first child. And then my mother moved in with us and because she helps take care of my children. And now we've had another child every time that something like this happens, it's really kicked me into high gear. And this positive pressure on you, it's not a negative. It's not a bad thing. It's not something to run away from. It's actually a fantastic stressor because it's responsibility. When you have extra responsibility there, you perform better. Like That's my experience. Now, as you said in what I heard was really the value of living in a country, the value you're going to get for your money, like having a chef, like having a nanny or a maid or having a driver or having a gardener or all these types of things. Those just become attainable very, very quickly when you live in a country that has a lower cost of living. And with this, you can be more productive with your time. You can grow things faster. You can offload things that maybe you really don't want to do. Like I haven't cleaned a toilet in so many years. Like I will happily go the rest of my life without ever cleaning a toilet, (laughs) without shoveling snow, without raking leaves. Like if I don't have to do these types of things, cleaning the pool, I remember growing up and having to clean the pool every week. I hated that. I just like, I don't want to do anything like that. I'd rather pay someone else to do it. And it's so easy when you live in a country with a lower cost of living and not trying to hoard every dollar, being open and free and abundant with it. But what it does is it opens up time for you. And with more time, you can also get a lot more done and be in a better mental state when you do it. Yeah, definitely. And being a woman, it's been, there's like another layer to that because we inherit the role of the caregiver And so I've had to try to just be conscious of that. I heard a podcast once with like a multiple time best-selling author and super successful entrepreneur. And she was saying that she took on all of the household cleaning, bill pay, chores, cooking, things like that, grocery shopping in her household even though like her and her husband worked full time and she had to ask herself once like, wait, why am I by default doing all of these things? And so they actually created a plan where certain things were outsourced, certain things were shared, like the responsibilities were split up so that she wasn't doing 99% of the cleaning, the grocery shopping, the laundry on top of running her like multi-million dollar international business empire and like personal brand. And so that really spoke to me. And I went many, many years without, you know, having to do laundry or any of those sorts of things. And so I've been cognizant about that in the United States, but whereas it would cost me $20 a day to have a maid in Costa Rica, it might cost me $60 to drop off a load or two of laundry at the wash dry fold place in Miami. And so there's definitely like a cost difference. And and so that's something that I've been cognizant of, but some of my friends in California once said I was having dinner at the entrepreneur house in San Diego. And this was before the pandemic. 
And I have family and friends in California, but I had never considered living there because the cost of living was really high. The state taxes are really high. And coming from Florida, like a tax-free state, I was like, why would I ever move to California, like specifically to triple my cost of living, even though I have friends and family there? And I was living, I don't know, in all different countries at the time. I was like, I'd rather be a digital nomad and just travel wherever I want than have a really expensive rent in California and spend two or three hours a day sitting in my car on the interstate, like on the five. And these guys at the entrepreneur house, they're like, well, why don't you just move here and make more money? Like their mindset was a little bit different. Like I saw all of the problems of living in California versus the lifestyle that I had that I enjoyed already. And they weren't digital nomads. They were maybe from San Francisco, moved to San Diego. For them, geo-arbitrage was going from San Francisco to San Diego, not from San Diego to like Vietnam or something. And they had never lived out of the country. Like maybe they traveled and stuff. And so their perspective was like, if you like California, just come to California and then make five times more money so you can keep your standard of living. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like I never, I mean, even though everyone, you know, I would like to five X or 10 X my income forever, you know, like, and keep earning more every year for the rest of my life. I never thought of specifically moving to New York or San Francisco or a place that's one of the most expensive cities in the world on purpose, just to challenge myself to 10 X my income that year. And so that also was something I didn't decide to do it because I just didn't really care to live in California, but you can also decide to 10 X your income living anywhere. But yeah, there's definitely different ways to approach this. And I don't really know what the ideal decision is. I think it depends. I think it's a combination of a couple of different things. You know, I don't think it has to be all on one side or all on the other side, but looking at how you function in different environments and what you see and going back to what we said, the subconscious drivers, I think is important, but being in a country with good value for your dollars, I think is also a very, very important part. Now, you also mentioned about roles and responsibilities of men and women. My wife is a stay-at-home mother. She doesn't work. We still have a maid and a nanny and all of these types of things as well. And I think it's fantastic to be in an opportunity where I can have my wife stay at home, which is what she chooses to do. She wants to do this right from the beginning when we got married but not be pressured to take on all responsibilities for the house. You know, we're in a good position where we can have people that are going to help us, which then reduces her stress levels or the burden on her back. She gets to be spending more time with our children and we homeschool our kids as well. So that's a whole ton of responsibility that she has. So having conversations about these things and balancing them out and being in a country which will allow you to do it, you know, as your example of $20 a day for a full-time maid or $60 just to do a load of laundry. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a very big difference. That's a very big difference. So yeah, being purposeful about these things, I think is worthwhile looking at as an expat or digital nomad. These are things that everyone should think about and no one is excluded from these types of life decisions. Just before we started talking today, a few hours ago, I was reading about Serena Williams and her last tennis match at the U.S. Open, and 
she was quoted as saying something along the lines of deciding to retire from tennis because she wanted to focus on being a mom and maybe having another child. And she just said, women have a different decision-making matrix for these sorts of things. And maybe if she had never gotten pregnant and had her daughter, maybe she would still be hyper-competitive in tennis and still competing for another 10 years, but life happened and now she's going in a different direction. And so there's plenty of moms that do both that work full-time and sometimes they're single moms, but there's also, yeah, there's also a trade-off there. And Steve and Serena Williams, who's married to Alexis Ohanian, like the founder of Reddit, like I'm sure, I'm, I don't know, is he a billionaire? Like, I think they have enough money between the two of them to hire a nanny, but even that, like to still have pretty much unlimited funds to draw on to make life easier. And then to still decide to step away from her full-time career of tennis to focus on being a mom, that was really significant for me to read. Yeah, that's super interesting because I think that at that level, it's not really coming down to can you afford it or can you not afford it? It's really coming down to the time. It's how she's going to choose to spend her time and what her priorities are. I mean, you don't want to miss certain things in your child's life. Like Once they're gone, they're gone. I try to be as present as I possibly can. That's why I work from home. That's why I take my kids with me on lots of trips. Not every trip, but on a lot of them. I try to keep them with me. I try to be there for all the big events. But yeah, it, it's not easy to balance. Now, as you were talking, I was also thinking about a story that I had heard today. Actually, it's not really a story. It was a conversation I had with a friend of mine. He's very high up in the cryptocurrency space, and he runs a $100 million hedge fund. And we were talking about the fact that I'm a celiac, that I can't eat gluten. And he was asking me some questions, what it's like to be an expat, what it's like to travel and be a digital nomad. And you know, how do you deal with all of these types of things as a celiac? And I said, I get poisoned literally once a month. Like I legit will explain the situation. The people say they understand and I will still end up eating something that just floors me the entire next day. And he said, don't worry, crypto will solve this problem for you. Crypto will solve the problem. And I was like, oh, I'm very curious. Okay, how is this going to solve it? And he said, let's make so much money and do so well that we just fly private everywhere in the world. And we bring our chef with us when we travel. And I was like, this is amazing. This is fantastic. Yeah. This is like, because we already bring our nanny with us when we travel. Like when we went to Colombia last year for three weeks, we brought our nanny with us and she helped take care of the kids. I mean, the world has lots of money in it. If you're providing value and you're helping people and it's an honest exchange, there's no reason that you can't get to a level where you bring your own chef that is going to be able to prepare for you so I don't get sick. And then he was talking about the opportunity cost. And he's right. If I can eat something that's going to end up making me sick and I'm curled up in the fetal position in bed for an entire day, what else could I have done with that time? You know, that's that's a finite amount of time. But if it costs me thousands of dollars to bring a chef in and prepare my food and and look at these types of things and I don't get sick, what can I do for my business? How can I help more people? How can I grow all these types of things? How can I produce more content? Or There is a trade-off on all of these types of things. And I'm not trying to sound like 
a lush here and just being like, oh, it's fine. I just bring my private chef everywhere I fly. But there's real life business consequences to getting sick on the road. So I just thought it was interesting. And as you told me this, it made me think of it. Well, there's a reason for NetJet cards and people can get more done when they're flying private and it's more comfortable. And that's why there's different echelons of even first class travel and business class travel. So I I think that, you know, when you ask yourself, like, what if I could do this? And you're just curious about it. And there's really like no limit to what you can do. That's just one of the, my big life takeaways is that we can be our own worst enemies and like getting in our way. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And societal programming from childhood and like this crazy stat that I don't know if I talked to you about it. I talked to someone about it on my podcast recently that you hear the word no. I don't know if it was 50,000 times before you're five years old, but you only hear yes, 5,000 times. So we're told so much that we can't do things because, you know, you're a kid and you're breaking things in the store, you know, it's like, don't touch anything or whatever it is. Like you hear no a lot from parents, from teachers, from the lady in the store who doesn't want you to break the glass china. And so maybe that makes us think that we can't do a lot of things. And then when you're in school, you have to ask permission, like a hall pass to go to the bathroom. Like we're just from a very young age, like we have to ask to do everything. When you're in a job, you have to ask to take vacation days. Like you have to ask for everything. And so a big like mindset shift is that we're living in a time now for the first time in history where we really don't have to ask permission to do anything. And maybe we never really did. Like maybe we just like limited ourselves. And so there's really no limit to what you can make, what you can earn, the kind of impact that you have in the world, whatever you decide to do, if it's humanly possible, you can do it. And even if no one's ever done it before and like everything that we're benefiting from right now, now is because of people that had the audacity to do things that no one had ever done. And that seemed crazy. And I don't know how many flights I've taken in my life or how many hundreds of thousands of miles I've flown, but it never ceases to amaze me that we can just get on a plane and fly to the other side of the world. Like, I don't know. I just like live in this constant state of awe and gratitude of what we're able to do today. And man, woman, undefined, whatever you choose to be and however you define yourself in this world. And so if you want to have your own private jet, then go for it. And maybe you inspire other people. Like I always wanted to have a NetJets card, but I never thought of having like my own plane, but my ex-boyfriend is in crypto and he has his own plane. So maybe I should have my own plane, you know, like you just like, you think you start to think bigger and then you're like, why not? And so when you have that cure, when you come, when you approach a problem with curiosity, like what would happen if this, or what if I did that, then you can all of a sudden start doing things that you never thought you could do before just because you wondered what if. Yeah. So I think that can be really inspiring. And then to go back to the topic that we are talking about alongside of this, And it's not just women that, you know, have these decisions to make in life either. I don't know if you follow Formula One at all, but I come from like a racing family and we're really big fans. I just saw recently that the former world champion, Sebastian Vettel retired, or he announced his retirement from the sport. And I watched his 
Instagram video about that. And he was talking about how he's more than just what he does for work. And so that's another thing that we're able to do through travel and living abroad is like expressing yourself, expressing your personality, growing as a person, adding new skills, adding new like cultures to your life experience. That is a big part of it. And for someone like him who I don't know what his net worth is, but he's like a multiple time formula one world champion. So I'm sure he's doing okay for him to retire because there's other things that he wants to achieve in life. He also wants to spend more time with his kids. Like he mentioned that he mentioned other things that like from his personal life that he likes to do. And so I think that's also something significant for people to think about as they enter into different phases of their lives, like leaving a sporting career or a sport that you used to do, leaving a job that you used to do, going down a new path. It's going to be something that you've never done before, but you've always never done something before, before you did it the first time, like everything you've ever done in life was once the first time. And so that beginner's mind is something that I think comes like you get face to face with it when you travel and when you go to new countries, because you feel like a beginner all the time. You feel like a little kid who can't speak the language. You feel like yeah, somebody who doesn't know where anything is or how anything works. And so you just kind of, it's like a humility that comes, but also like a sense of empowerment and a sense of confidence and a sense of independence, like superhero powers in a way where you feel both like you feel the beginner's mind, but then you also feel the potential for what that can mean for your future. Well, I really resonate with that a lot. Everybody on this podcast, I'm sure kind of knows my story. I stopped going to school when I was 12 years old and I dropped out when I was 15. And, you know, being told that you cannot do something or it's beyond your ability is, is really what I grew up with. I mean, I had dyslexia when I was a child or maybe still do. I don't know exactly how this works. But, you know, you get told that you can't read and, you know, they didn't want to put me in language programs because I had so much trouble with English. And it's like, okay, so now I grew up and I'm a professional writer and speaker. That's what I do for a living. Like, And I've read over well over 2000 books, most of which are business books. Like, how am I able to do that? Well, hard work, determination, finding methods that work for me and not taking no for an answer, being out there and trying new things and believing in myself. So that really resonates with me, what you just said, like to so much. Now, as for your other points about traveling and how it broadens your horizon, this is so spot on. When you put yourself in difficult situations, you have no choice but to grow as a human being. Every time you go to a new country and you don't speak the language, you don't know where to get food and you don't know where your hotel is, and you don't have any friends and you, you have to figure it all out. You just grow naturally. You don't have to be like, okay, today I'm going to grow. You know, this is today I'm going to grow. It just happens. You know, it just happens so naturally. And it's an amazing experience. And you and I have been traveling for decades now and putting ourselves in these types of situations. And that's why I think that this type of lifestyle is just fantastic. I just think it's so amazing. And there's nothing I would rather do with my time than explore the world and try to understand other people in their perspective through their eyes in the country that they come from, opposed to try to always understand everybody in, through your lens or just through a TV or through movies or, you know, but being there and experiencing things on the ground. I think it's such a gift. I think it's so amazing. 
Yeah. And, and having this conversation that we're having today, because before I had a podcast and a, a YouTube channel, I had a lot of similar conversations with people just over dinner or at a bar or wherever. And a lot of them I probably forgot about, or I didn't write them down, or we didn't record the conversations. And so I think it's really important to be broadcasting this message and this potential because none of us know what the future holds or what can happen, but we are kind of creating it all at the same time. And so it just can be a wake up call for people that when you don't have to ask permission from anyone, and when there's no limits on what you can do for work or how many income streams you can have or how much money you can make or where you can live, then what can you do? And just ask yourself that. And of course there can be some restrictions like you know, maybe you can only stay in a country for so many days or you need to apply for residency or, or things like that. But like, come on guys. I mean, even compared to a hundred years ago or 50 years ago, we just have like an astronomical amount of freedom right now. And I'm going to be shouting this off the rooftops until the day I die, because it's been a few like million years that some form of humans or our ancestors have been roaming around on the planet. And it's been 10 years, 20 years, maybe that this type of freedom has been able to open up. So I just think people, we need to wake up sooner than later because in another 10 or 20 years from now or 50 years from now, this could be all like very common for everyone. Like what if there's no borders? There's going to be a global passport soon. Like what if everyone could go everywhere? It wouldn't matter. You wouldn't have to apply for a visa whatever global currencies, cryptocurrencies, like this is not that far off where we just go back to Pangea <laughs> where the world is one country. And then like, I feel like people would be kicking themselves if they're like, oh man, I could have been an early adopter of the lifestyle of the future, but I just wasn't sure. So I waited too long. And so, yeah, just think of that. Well, the problem with waiting as well is that we don't know how much time we have on planet Earth. As far as anyone can convince me, we have no idea how long we're going to be here. So it's like, go out there and enjoy your life and do the things that you want to do. If you want to be a digital nomad, if you want to be an expat, if you want to travel and live overseas and explore all these places, then it's like, go do it now. Like, the opportunities are there. It is possible. You have the resources. When you started traveling, when I started traveling, we didn't have a lot of these resources. My podcast didn't exist. Your podcast didn't exist. I don't even think podcasting in general existed, let alone like super hyper, hyper, hyper niche topics on these things. Like when I first started traveling in 2000, I had heard, or I think my father had heard about one of his friend's kid who had gone to Europe for three months and she was back in Canada working at a restaurant. So we drove across town for like 45 minutes. And when she was on her 15 minute coffee break, I asked her a bunch of questions about what it was like to go and travel in Europe. Like that's how I got my information when I started this. And now it's like, all these resources, your amazing YouTube channel, the podcast, the blogs, the book that you're putting out right now. I mean, like, if you guys are interested in these things, then you just need to have the courage and just go for it, really. Yeah, I used 
used to learn about things in the encyclopedia and my parents and I would go to the grocery store and a new volume of the encyclopedia came out every week or every month. I don't remember what the frequency was, but I wanted every single one. It was from A to Z. And that was how I got my information before the internet was books and encyclopedias. And so sometimes with social media and the news and everything and all the stuff that goes on, the wars, the politics, the like just gossip and I don't know, like tabloid kind of stuff. It's like, we tend to lose sight of the magical time that we're living in. And a lot of the mainstream headlines are all about problems and negativity. And you don't see anyone on CNN or Fox or whatever being like, Hey guys, guess what? It's 2022. And here's a list of all of the cool things about this year and the technology we have and the things that you can do today. Like nobody draws attention to that. And so people just get wrapped up into these Facebook arguments and stuff like that. When what they should really also do in addition to arguing on Facebook, like maybe they shouldn't argue on Facebook at all, but just reflecting on the ability to argue with someone in another country from your cell phone is pretty cool. (laughs) So, you know, put down your cell phone and then go and argue with them in person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like before, if you wanted to argue with someone, it had to be face to face. And if you wanted to send them a letter, maybe there wasn't even a mail system yet. You had to like send your message with a raven or a horse, (laughs) someone on a horse and deliver it. And then six months later, get a response. Like I was reading this book two years before the mast. And it's about one of the first settlers from the Northeast, from Boston to go to California. So this was before the Panama Canal which I'm sure you've been to. Mm-hmm. And he I'm writes- looking at the Panama Canal. I can oh, look out my window and see the Panama that Canal. That is so cool. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just send you this book. Two years before the mast, I think one of my subscribers recommended it to me. And he wrote one of the first accounts of California before more settlers got there and before people really came across North America to get there. So it was- pretty much anyone natives that had been living there for many, many years. And he was writing about how happy they were when another boat came and delivered a message from Boston that was nine months late. So for them, getting a piece of news from nine months earlier was a huge deal. And they would be so excited to get some word of what was happening on the other side of the continent. And so, yeah, anyway, those are the kinds of things that I think about that even though I've lived this lifestyle for a really long time, like it's pretty cool what we're able to do today, regardless of where you're from or what gender, what nationality that you have. And, and that we can document it and talk about it. Because I remember when I first heard what a podcast was, I still have a note in my iPhone to like look up podcast hosting platforms because I had never heard of this before. And now we just take it for granted sometimes. I think that's amazing because There's a lot of people who work in the similar space that I do, and they always are coming at things from a negative side. It's always doom and gloom, doom and gloom. 
And that's just not me. Like, I'm just such an optimistic, I, I'm a realistic person, but I'm a very optimistic person. And I do believe that things will always get better. And I'm very pragmatic and very realistic about making sure we have more freedom in our life today. But I don't want to spend my day podcasting or writing or putting out YouTube videos just about doom and gloom. Like, that would have a negative effect on my psyche. And I want to be in a, you know, when I turn off this microphone and I go down and see my kids, I want to be smiling and happy and, if you spend all day long just looking at bad news, I mean, I really think that it just affects you in every pore of your being. Like it's just, there's no way to shake off that type of stuff. So I'm really particular about what I listen to, what I watch, how I get my information. And yes, I know that there are bad things out there in the world. I know that there is evil in the world, but I'm always going to try to be a lighthouse, a guiding light for people to prosperity and to abundance and to having an amazing lifestyle based on whatever values and ethics you want and whatever you desire. Like if this is the lifestyle for you, that I want to empower you and inspire you to do it. I never want to be like the dark cloud and the fear that is the motivator. I don't know. It's just who I am, I suppose. Yeah. And it can be something like teachers telling you that you couldn't read and write because you were dyslexic when you didn't even know you were dyslexic. You didn't even know what that was or what that meant. And then all of a sudden you have other external people telling you what's possible for you in your life. But after you get past that and try things and find out that you can do more than other people think you can do or more than you thought you could do, then that's when the possibilities really start to open up. I mean, I never thought I could have a YouTube channel because I didn't go to film school and I didn't know how to make videos. And I had friends that went to full sale film school in Florida where I'm from. And now they work for Vice News and stuff like that. So for 10 years, I didn't go on YouTube because I didn't think I would be good at making videos. But eventually I realized that I was going to have to do it because I wanted to do it for 10 years and I never did it. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll do it now. And I'm really glad that I did. So there, I'm sure there's so many things that people have been thinking about doing for 10 years or maybe even their whole lives. And it's just important to either decide like, am I going to do this or am I going to push it to the side and just decide not to do it? And you don't have to be you know, look at someone like Elon Musk. So many people like to say like, he can't do this or that. And over the years, he just keeps proving people wrong. And then everyone will be living on Mars or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's doing. He's on his own journey too. So you don't have to be like the next Elon Musk building rocket ships, but whatever that means in your life, like what's something that you want to do that you never gave yourself permission to do, or that you thought you couldn't do because of A, B, and C reasons from a long time ago. And so I hope that that's the, the message that people walk away with today. And from someone who was maybe is dyslexic and someone who had to go to speech class for so many years because I couldn't talk properly. And I think we talked about that last time on the podcast. And now I have a podcast when I had speech problems or a speech impediment. Well, that's amazing because I'm not sure if we talked about it last time on the podcast, or maybe it was on your podcast, or maybe in private conversations. I'm not sure. But overcoming adversity and then not being told, like, we're not accepting what you're told about what you can and cannot do, and going out there and building the life that you want, anyways. I mean, that's an amazing message. That's an amazing message. So good for you. 
Well, on that note, I think it is a perfect time to wrap up today's interview. Kristen, I always appreciate your perspective and to hear all about your stories. Absolutely amazing. If my listeners want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about what you do, or maybe they want to pick up your brand new book, where can we send them? Yeah, there's three main places they can go. They can search online for digital nomads for dummies to get that step-by-step guide on how to become location independent, whether you want information on how to find a remote job, starting your online business, or the travel aspect of a nomadic lifestyle. And then they can tune in every week on badassdigitalnomads.com to listen to my podcast or on youtube.com slash traveling with Kristen for a new video every week about working remotely and traveling the world. And if anyone wants one-on-one support from me or group coaching with an upcoming relocation, they can reach out at travelingwithkristen.com. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. So you guys may have seen in the email newsletter that I got expatmoney.com. This is a URL that I have been wanting to get for like six years now. Some other company had it based out of Dubai and they wouldn't sell it to me. They weren't even using it. They weren't doing anything with it, but they wouldn't sell it to me. The guy just said, I'm going to hold on to it and you can't have it. So I tried to negotiate and we went back and forth many, many, many times over the years and I finally negotiated it. I'm not going to tell you how much it cost, but it was not cheap. I paid a pretty penny for this. So the main website going forwards for all of my work is going to be expatmoney.com. We still have expatmoneyshow.com, but that's really going to be designated just for the podcast itself. But on the other one, we're going to have webinars. We have new articles. We started a new blog. We've got new lead magnets. We even started a store on there that we're going to be selling different courses and programs. So there's going to be tons of exciting things happening at expatmoney.com. So you guys can go there, check out the new website, Let me know what you think and then bookmark the website because you're going to want to come back literally every single week because we got so much exciting things coming out. So expatmoney.com. I'm really excited. I hope you guys are too. There's going to be lots of cool stuff there for you. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region.
But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.